Welcome to the Probate Mastermind Podcast. These episodes are recorded live once a week and are hosted by the AllTheLeads.com coaches. Agents, investors, and wholesalers join the coaches for everything from marketing tips, sales psychology, live deal analysis, transaction engineering, advanced real estate strategy, and personal development. You will learn to get more listings, more deals, and find financial freedom by listening to these episodes. Be sure to catch show notes at alltheleads.com slash podcast and join our free Facebook mastermind community, All The Leads Mastermind. Welcome to all of our prolific agents and investors from across the country. Today is Thursday, April Fool's Day, 2021, April 1st, and this is podcast, mastermind podcast number 321. We do have a full queue. Bruce and Tim, anything you want to say before we get started? The only thing I would say is that you've made it obvious why this is the one day of the year that you can celebrate just being yourself. Oh, that was uncalled for, but but it was pretty funny. I played a joke on him before the recording got turned on, so I, I had that coming. All right, let's go to the queue, guys. We love our participants. We love wins. We love success stories. We're here for you. So first up this week is phone number ending in 4256. You're up first. Hey, it's great to be first in the line. Could you tell me what that code was one more time? I thought I got it in. Hey, I have two <laughs> quick questions, uh, if you guys don't mind. I'm getting ready to set my website up. And I have a bunch of my team on on this call today as well, which is really great. Thanks for what you do. I'm trying to get the correct URL, and I have two possibilities that we can use. One is probate-first.com, and the other is probate1st.com. What what do you guys think, because I'm open to either one? Spell it out. Do the spell Spell it out. Yeah. Probate-first.com. If if it's it's dash versus one st. Is that your choice? Yes, correct. Yeah, I would probably go. I would probably go. But here's the other thing you can consider. And always do this if you choose. You can register both names, have them both point to the same place, and play around with your advertising a little bit. Having people, I, I hate saying this, but having people try to figure out what you mean when you put an abbreviation in there, uh, it's easier to just bang it home. Yeah, I've already bought both of them, and and I'm going to grab a couple more because I'm a big fan of vanity URLs. So whatever we do, I'll shoot them all that direction. Okay, great. Thank you very much. The other question I have real quickly, and then I'll let you go on to some more pressing things. We have a Realtors magazine in St. Louis. They had asked me to write an article about probate uh, and real estate, and I just wondered if you guys had anything like that that I could plagiarize or if I have to go reinvent the whole thing myself. Feel free to take um, stuff off of our website, bud. Yeah, take it off of the website. And uh, also, this is Bruce, by the way, if you get with me separately, send me an email to Bruce at all the leads. We could probably do a coaching call. I've got a couple of things that I've put together in letter format that might be might be something. Is this more geared toward, is this article more geared toward realtors or is it more geared toward consumers? Realtors. Okay, got it. Yeah, take some stuff off of our website and get with me. I don't have a whole lot of content in, in the form of letters or consumer information like that's geared toward realtors, but we could we could make some adjustments to that to what I have. Awesome, Bruce. Or Thank you, you can very make much. some adjustments to what I have. Get with me separately for some of that information, though. I have a quick jump back to your first question. Do you need the dash in there to get that domain name, or are you just trying to uh, distinguish or separate the two words? I need that dash in there to get the domain name. Ah, okay. Because obviously without the dash, it would be better. Gotcha. All right. Yeah, that makes sense. Then. Yep. Yeah, that's why I didn't ask. I figured that. There's a big difference. The difference was $11.95 that I bought it or $1,250. So I thought $11.95 was okay. Good decision. Does that help? Thanks very much. All right. Thank All right. Thank you, sir. Wow, guys. Great participation today. Eight in the queue. Next up is... Phone number ending in 8066. You're up next. Hi, can you hear me? Okay. My name is Beth Whitney at Gold Medal Probate Solutions. And a couple things. I'll start with a big win. I took your advice and I've started meeting personally with probate attorneys, estate planning attorneys. And the one that I had that was so awesome is I brought my brochure and I showed him my website. And he said to me, I'm also a real estate agent, and he said to me, he said, I wish you were around when my father passed away. And hearing that from an actual person that deals with probate all the time was just very validating that we're on the right track with what we're doing. Thank you so much for that coaching. It was awesome. 
That's great. And yep. on more of a technical side, when when you're dealing with the paperwork, I guess, when you're filling out like listing agreements with people and that sort of thing, is it best to put the the contract in the name of the executor or administrator, or is it better to put it in the name of the estate? It's better to put it in the name of the estate nine times out of 10. It's the executor or the administrator, the PR that's going to be signing it on behalf of the estate. But the the vast majority of the time, you're going to put the name of the estate in in the um, seller line. And uh, there are some exceptions. There are times when real estate is carved outside of probate and it just goes to the heirs, in which case you just put the PR and probably all the other heirs' names in that place as well. Okay. And then can you still, I know one one thing I think I remember talking about at one point is when you put the owner's name in the listing, sometimes I think having it as an estate maybe flags some investors that you're trying to get a higher price. Can you put the owner in there as not the estate if the documents are, are written out as the estate? Now we're starting to get into some nuances of what your specific association of realtors and MLS rules okay. are. My MLS rules say that I don't have to put an owner's name in there at all. I've been a, a member of certain associations that required the legal name of the owner to go into the MLS. If it's not a requirement, I would not okay. be putting the word estate in. I would just be maybe putting okay. a last name, something like that in. I don't want to trigger people to offer lowball if I'm trying to list and sell a house for top dollar. Perfect. Great. Thank you. I think my MLS does uh, allow me to opt out of putting the owner name in there, so that would be great. Good. Okay. Thank you. All right. Perfect. Awesome. Please come back and share with us when you get when you start getting deals for the attorney. Keep us posted. Good job. Yes, yes. And just just having sorry, my dogs are going nuts. Just having the probate name out there, I'm already having investors and people um refer estate sales to me if they're not interested in a cash deal right away. So I'm getting I'm already getting referrals. Which just locally, which is awesome. That's Good amazing, and it really goes to show the power of building a team out. So often, agents and investors are scared to go build their team out. They want to have all their ducks in a row, everything in line. They want to understand the pro- probate process in and out, and and then they feel like they can go start building their team. And I don't know about you, Becky. I, I know that when I started building my team, I didn't know the probate process inside and out. And I can count on uh, less than one finger how many times someone asked me a question that stumped me. And that was as a novice that didn't understand anything. You just go out and explain, describe to people what you're trying to do, um, how you're trying to help. And most of the time, they don't say, what do you know legally about probate? They don't say that. Even the attorneys don't say that. You may have more things together than I had, but for those of you that are worried about this and you want to know the probate process inside and out, you don't need to. Just go build a team and you're going to have the same conversations with people that say, where were you when when my family member passed away? Where were you when I was going through probate? So great job, Becky. And thank you for being an example and a chance for me to step in and tell some of the folks listening to this that have been holding off why they shouldn't hold off. I, I really appreciate that testimony that you gave. Oh, thank you. And I do not know everything. I'm I'm learning as I go uh, to a certain degree. And sometimes the questions and, oh, hey, do you know this person that can help us out actually prompts me to really do the research that I've been putting off, honestly. It, and I find also with just anything, especially with real estate and also just probate, every situation is different. There's always going to be a curveball that comes up. But that's why you guys are here, to help us with the, with the answers to the questions. So, <laughs> yep. thank you. I echo what Bruce said. Great job, and thanks for sharing. Okay. All right. Next up is phone number ending in 0309. You're up next. Hey, guys. Just wanted to share a couple updates. I know I've been talking with Bruce a lot lately. This is Christian, by the way. Just wanted to tell you what I've been doing more than anything. So I hire a dialer, and the dialer is from Mod. I started doing mailers, and I was able to. I'm meeting with a seller tomorrow from the mailer, and from the mailer itself, I met with another seller that I didn't get, and Bruce and I talked about it, and I had no chance at that point. But from my dialer, I was able to wholesale a deal that we just got under contract yesterday. So I'm excited about that. So next question I have for you guys would be, when I have the assistant set up the appointment, which is my dialer, 
what do I say when I call to follow up? Because I'm having a hard time trying to, uh, maybe I'm overthinking it. I'm not sure, but it's just, that's just one of the struggles that I'm having. And then what do I do at that point if they don't answer? Should I leave a voicemail? Should I call back? Or I'm just trying to come up with a solution more than anything. Jim, do you have anything? I, I don't want to dominate the conversation. Well, you'll have, probably have a more detailed answer, but what I would recommend is you want to give the impression, what's your dialer's first name? Who, what, what's the person's name who's dialing for you? Okay, so you want to just call back and say, hey, this is Christian. I just spoke with Odessa, and she told me well, you're looking to sell your Aunt Susie's house, and I just wanted to ask you a few questions or see what I could do to help you. You, you want to give the impression that Odessa is in your office, she's in the next room, and she just came over and told you about this, if you can. And Odessa should probably be given that same impression when she's making the calls. Hey, I work with Christian. I'm part of his team. And it sounds like, what's that? She does do that. She says, I'm calling on behalf of Christian okay. and just go with the whole speech. And what I'm just running in, into issues is just when I call them and what I say, and this may sound pretty corny, but I'm like, hey, this is Christian. I believe you talked to my assistant yesterday, Odessa, and she mentioned to me that you're looking to find out more information on probate. Let me know what's going on and see how we can assist you. And I don't know if that's just too vague or if it's just I need to come up with a better idea, but that's what I've been using. Some of it works, sometimes it doesn't, and sometimes they think I'm an attorney, and it's just... I, I would, and Bruce, Bruce will probably expand on this. If, Odessa, if there's anything Odessa found out that you can also reference, Odessa told me you may need some help with, you know, getting the clutter out of the house, or Odessa said, Odessa said that you may be interested in help selling Aunt Susie's house, something like that. If you know that information... Reference it. Gotcha. If you don't, okay. if you don't, in in along another line, o Odessa's job really isn't to sell you. It's just to qualify the appointment and get as much information as possible. I would encourage her to try to get little tidbits of information like that that you can reference when you call back. But if she can't, that's okay. She set an appointment for you to talk to her. That's half the battle. That's half the battle. What would you add to that, Bruce? I've gone through with a dialer setting an appointment time. I'm currently experimenting with a dialer on not setting an appointment time, but just finding out who is, where they are in probate, whether there's any immediate help that they could use, and, and ultimately whether they're willing to have a conversation with me. So when I call that person, and let's say all I have is the base level of, uh, yeah, I'm willing to talk to Bruce. I'm just going to call and say, hey, my assistant Odessa told me that you were going through probate, and she didn't really tell me where in the process you were. Could, do you remember that conversation yesterday, by the way? And that they're prob probably going to say yes or maybe. And then you just say, uh, "Could you do you mind um, filling me in on where in the process you are? So just treat it like a regular cold call where they've already okay. been warmed up and already know who you are and are expecting your call. Now, if Odessa starts to turn over information that they are going to be selling or they are they do need someone to help clean out, then by all means, dive into it at a later point. But for the most part, when I call, I just say, my assistant called you yesterday and said that you were going through the probate process and that there might be a couple of things that we could do to make that process smoother for you. Before I really dive into that, could you tell me where in that process you are right now? I'd add one other thing about that, and this kind of applies to almost every conversation that you're going to have. And that is a lot of it has to do with, with your mindset. The thing that you started off with was talking a little bit about you weren't sure, you were maybe a little bit uncomfortable about what you might be doing or you could do it better. And if you simply approach the conversation that you're going to have with anybody, whether it's this, a listing conversation, a sales conversation, or anything else, assume that the end result is the one that you're going to want to achieve. Also make the assumption that they need what you're bringing to them, that they're waiting for you to call them. You're, you've already got the hard work done. Somebody's already done the work that said, yeah, they're willing to have that conversation with you. So if you've gotten that far with it, assume that you know, they're really sitting there waiting for you to call them and there's something you can do for them. And you don't have to be timid about it or anything else. Just make sure that you approach it with a very positive attitude and, hey, I talked to Odessa and she said you're going through uh, some issues with your probate. I'm here to help you. Tell me about where you are and, and don't make it a, if I could, would you deal. Make sure they understand that you're there to help and spit it out. Let them know, let them tell you what's going on, but be positive all the time. Gotcha. Okay. And what if they don't answer the call, even though we have the appointment, should I leave a voicemail at all or should I just call them back? I, what I'm doing more than anything, I don't leave the voicemail. I just call them back the following day or the day after that and try to get a hold of them. I'd call them back twice that day. 
So I would call back maybe the first time, don't leave a voicemail, but they know who you are. They've already had a conversation with your assistant. So leave a message. You don't have to go into great detail on everything that you offer, but do leave a message and reference the fact that they talked with Odessa. This is a warm lead for you. I want you to treat a lead like this as though you've already had that deep conversation with them and now you're just doing a follow-up off of your conversation because they've spoken with Odessa that they're willing to talk. So follow up, leave messages, and don't quit following up. That's a really warm lead. Even if they didn't give Odessa a ton of information, they're 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 if they're open to a conversation it means something's going on and they could probably use some help so treat it that way and 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 don't let it go months without calling them or even weeks i'd call them a couple of times today i might call them again tomorrow and then i'd probably do a weekly follow-up if they hadn't answered gotcha yeah and that's what i'm doing if they don't answer the call i'll call them back the following day early in the morning and i'll try late in the afternoon and until i get a hold of them but I'm just curious more than anything if I should leave a voicemail or not. But I, I like that approach. Definitely call them once and then call them back again and leave a voicemail and try to reach out to them as much as you can. Yep. Per- perfect. And Christian, you lost over it, but you're in first place for our win of the week. You said you successfully wholesaled a deal. So if you would, just briefly tell us about that. What kind of a profit did you make on the wholesale deal? So it's a little crazy because the buyer that I had, he typically rehabs, but he's going to sell it off to somebody else and he wants to split the profit. So I was under the impression that he was going to rehab it. And obviously, I didn't make as much money as I should have had. But just to give you an idea, the seller wanted uh, $125 for the property, even though he had an offer for $135. I don't know why he went with mine, but he loved the idea. But he did not want to put the property on the MLS. He just wants to cash out and just get out of it and move on and just take his money. But uh, what we end up selling it right now on the contract is for 150 Nice. Okay. That's yeah. not peanuts. Perfect. That's not yeah. peanuts. So you only paid 25000 for a phone conversation. That's terrible. You should raise your rates. And That's awesome, man. Congratulations. Not, yeah, thank you. And believe it or not, this was from my dialer. She was the one that provided all this information and said, I hate, you know what? They're not interested in listing, but whoever brings a higher offer, they will do a deal. And I just kept talking to him. And he said, yeah, this is what I'm looking to do. I'm going to look at the house, even though he doesn't live here. He's from California, but his brother's here. Took a look at it, and sure enough, and like, yeah, send me an offer, and we'll make a deal. I was like, all right, awesome, and I did just exactly that. Congratulations. Yeah, you mentioned something else that I often hear when I talk to, especially to investors, whether they're buy and flip or wholesalers. They're, they're especially if they're new people, or generally when you just tell realtors they should be investors too. The attitude is, why would somebody take less than they have to, or less than they could get? People, two things, they don't always behave logically. And you don't really know behind the scenes what their motivation is. For that guy, this right. was found money. So this was found money. So 125 to him in two weeks was worth more than a potential 150 months down the road. So don't assume that people act logically. And, and I'm not talking to you. You know it. But other people out there, just don't put your assumptions on the person you're talking to because they may have different wants, needs, and goals. So great job, my friend. Thank you very much for sharing. Yeah, and what I'm going to do next moving forward now, I'm just going to put a price, what I'm looking to to get out of it. So let's say, for instance, someone tells me they're going to rehab it. I'm going to put the offer first for the seller. Let's say for in this case, 120, I'm going to tell them, okay, I have it for you for 140, 150, take it or leave it. And if they want it, great. If they don't, then it's on them. I'll find somebody else. So I don't get screwed. More offers. Yeah. Way to go. You are win of the week so far. Great story. Appreciate you sharing. My pleasure. Thank you, guys. All right. Thank you. Next up is phone number ending in 5757. Hello, everybody. You are up. My name is Douglas. Hey there. Thank you. I want to thank you guys because uh, I just recently found out about you and listened to one of your podcasts all the way through. And I turned and this was like six weeks ago. And I turned around and used it, and I found it was a gentle approach to saying I represent a probate company that people in the process, blah, blah, blah. And uh, I found a woman who had three houses her husband owned. And the mistake I made was she told me to call her back in a month, and I waited a month. But by the time I called her back, somebody else helped. Amateur mistake, I know. Amateur mistake. But I'm in the process of getting started, and I want to do wholesaling, and I want to do probate. And I'm curious... At what point, I don't have any web presence or social media presence, and I want to start approaching attorneys. Do you have a script or a process for approaching attorneys? The 
So the process for approaching attorneys, number one is to recognize that they're people too. They're just a person. They might be busy. They might not. But most of the time, they are just mired in this legal process with their clients, their heads down over their desk, filling documents out, running to the courthouse, filing different things. And oftentimes, there are needs that their clients have and sometimes needs that they have sometimes, but needs that their clients really have that they are not fulfilling most of the time, unless they're really well networked and want to take care of the probate process from start to finish, where they refer to the agent. They they do what we teach you to do on the agent side, but there aren't many attorneys that do that. The majority of attorneys, they do what they do. And if you can make it to where you make their clients happier, you offer a service that's above and beyond what the typical agent or investor offers to the client, to the personal representative, they'll begin to refer you. So the process when you deal with attorneys is you want to just start with a couple of minute conversation and then lead that into a coffee, a Zoom, or a lunch. So start with a couple of minute conversation. Do you have five minutes? Do you have 10 minutes? I could chat with you, give you a brief summary of what I do, and then maybe we could have, we could have a lunch next week okay, or a Zoom next week. Once you're in front of them in the Zoom, I want you to use these these words. I've started to use these myself. Is I'm not in this relationship for it to be a one-way street where you refer me all your business and I don't give you anything in return. I want this to be a two-way street to where I make your life and your client's life lives easier through the probate process. And then you say, the way that I'm thinking about doing that, and this isn't scripted, but the way that I'm thinking about doing that is to is by offering ancillary services beyond a traditional real estate listing or beyond a traditional purchase. I can help them clean the property out. I can help arrange lawn care, gutter cleaning. I can help arrange estate sales. Anything that your client needs that you don't want to deal with or they don't want to deal with, I want you to bring it to me. I'm doing those things basically for free so that I can give that extra layer of value. And most attorneys are going to love it. And even if you don't have every single one of the relationships I just described, you can certainly go find that those people. You can go find those vendors and professionals, and you can still make that offer whether you have all the relationships in your pocket yet or not. And the attorney's going to appreciate that. So your job is to simply get in front of them by summarizing really quickly over the phone what it is that you do, and then leading that into uh, a longer meeting, whether it's Zoom, coffee, or lunch. What a great answer. Thank you so much. And Douglas, I was I was going to add to it. You're not, I don't believe you're a subscriber, but wherever you're getting your leads from, if you get them from us, you can look at the attorney column and you can sort and find out who the players are. I'd highly recommend identify the top five attorneys in your market. And hopefully we're coming to the end of COVID, we hope, and the offices are opening back up. And if you can't get them on the phone, just go down there and try a face-to-face. And if you walk in say to the receptionist, I noticed Attorney Johnson specializes in probate. So do I. And I'm, I'm talking to 100 people a month and I'm noticing 20 of them don't have an attorney. I, I'm just wondering, would he be okay if I referred business to him and <laughs> just shut up? You, you'll probably get in to see the guy, sit down and then use Bruce's script. This isn't a one-way street. I would like to try to help you support your business, refer people to you. And I would hope that you would do the same. The phone is great, but a lot of times you can't get past that gatekeeper. If you can identify who the top players are and go try to see them, if you have the time and the bandwidth, that's a good way to do it also. Make sense? Thanks so much. I listened to one call and I took a, turned around and almost had a portfolio under my belt. It's funny. I ride my bike every day and I was listening to a, I ride my bike every day. I was, there you go. I was listening to a podcast and, and this call came on and I, I started listening to it. I said, hey, this stuff is actually pretty good. So I appreciate it. And it's good to it's good to hear that from people other than the people creating the content. Hey, keep coming back and keep sharing. Bruce? And Doug, Douglas yeah, Doug, that, I've said this to a couple of I've said this to a couple of other people already, but I'm going to applaud you for implementing. Uh, you have no idea what that does for us on this side of things to hear that someone's taken a concept or an idea, even if it was just one thing off of one podcast and they've put it into play. So many people don't take action and you took a, a single concept, you took some action and you almost got business. Next time you're going to get it. That's right. It really is. You know, my approach before I heard that podcast was just too harsh. 
too abrupt. You're just humanized the listener much much more interesting. Well, that's great. Awesome. Glad it helped and keep 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 implementing and keep coming back and sharing. We appreciate you. Guys, we're down to three in the queue. We had a, a number of people drop out and we've got plenty of time to go, so don't be shy. Hit star six and hit one. And in the meantime, next up is phone number ending in three nine eight two. You're up next. Are you there? Yeah, my name is Mike. Hey, Michael. I'm just a guest of Norman, just listening in. This is my first time, so don't have any good stories, just I'm just trying to learn. Okay, perfect. All right. Any questions you have? Anything that we can help you with or no? Uh, not at this time, no. All right. We'll- yep. All right. We're down to two in the queue. We better have some more people jump in there, hit star six and hit one. Next up is phone number ending in 5418. You're up next. Hello. Hi, this is Rick Melville. Yep. Out in sunny California, and yes. uh, what I'm seeing on my phone, I, I'm set up, of course, with AT&T, my main line, and then a couple lines with the Google numbers. And what's happening is that calls are coming to me, and they're showing, it says spam risk, and then the other is telemarketer. And that's what's showing up on the phone when the calls come in. So I'm guessing that there's some kind of trigger that if I'm calling out, I want to avoid spam risk and telemarketer. <laughs> and if you've got any uh, information on that. So maybe go ahead, Bruce, and Tim could probably help with that too. Go ahead first. I'm going to, I'm going to, that would be a bad thing. Okay. Most of us aren't going to experience that. Generally speaking, if, if you're flagged as a spam risk or a telemarketer or a potential salesperson, it's normally because you are dialing through a call center or a or potentially a dialer a lot of our subscribers go through dialers and they don't run into that most of the time it's going to be because your number is has probably been flagged with the FTC or reported numerous times as a, a sales spammy person and if you, we don't teach you to do anything in a way that you're going to get flagged and if you do it's going to be very infrequent so I don't think that you're running that risk, especially if you're dialing through your cell phone and even your Google voice yeah. lines. You're probably not going to encounter that unless you're being super spammy and pushy and you're enraging people to the point that they want to report you. After a couple of times being reported, you might get flagged. So just be polite, be empathetic, and you really aren't going to have that risk. Tim, do you have anything to add to that? You're more on the technical side. Yeah, part of it, it may well not be, and, and this is the unfortunate part about it, the thing with the Google Voice line or any of the voice over IP providers, those tend to be less long-lived than your cell phone or your landline number because you've probably had the same cell phone number for a very long period of time, and when those numbers became portable, even if you switched from Verizon to T-Mobile to AT&T and back and forth, you're still going to probably keep the same number. So you're known by that number. When you're using a dialer number, part of it is that they may come from a group of numbers that become known to the providers for being numbers that people use to make outbound dialing calls just like that. And if you find that's happening, get another number. It's that simple. The easier way, easiest way to handle that is to simply get another number. And I'll give you a little anecdotal information about that. When we started first working with Bruce's phone, every time he called me on the phone, it said that the person who was calling's name was Chang Ching. And it's because someone had owned that phone before and had that name, and that was the name that they had. Bruce had the phone for a couple of years, and somewhere along the line in the chain, it was not known as him. So you have to make sure that you know where it's coming from. So first thing to do is find out when you get that number, call it, call your own cell phone or call somebody else and see what comes up on the caller ID. And you need to make sure that doesn't, that right there can also be something that will turn somebody off. It can be a strange name. It can be XYZ data center or whatever. So you need to make sure of, of what you're appearing as to start with. And if you don't get good results with one number, switch and get another one. I was going to add to that, Tim. I don't know if you remember when we got our new company phones, we all got new phone numbers, and I happened to get the local area code, and the first four digits were 400, and I kept having people, nobody was calling me back. I found out that there are several large telemarketing companies that begin with the same six digits as mine, so I was getting branded, and you probably don't remember this, Tim, but what you 
and our tech guy did. They got me a phone number in Rocky Mountain, North Carolina that just gets forwarded to that. Rocky Mountain, North Carolina sounds a lot friendlier than uh, South Florida, which is the scab capital of the world. And that just cost a few bucks a month. I was able to retain anybody who was trying to call me at the other number, but I just had a new outgoing number for the future. And that problem went away almost overnight. So you're you're right. That could be one of the reasons, too. when, When you started out, you tried to get a very distinctive phone number. And if you could get a number that was 0000, you were rocking it. And now that number is the kiss of death if you're making outbound <laughs> telephone calls because people are going to know that's a business. I don't want it. And we had to do the same thing on this. When we got the new block of numbers, we got the first three digits. And then we started with 0000 all the way to 99999. We own all of them. And we had to switch, drop way down into the list to start using the numbers in there before we realized that zero, 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 zero is killing us. So it's a learning process, but if you don't get the number that works well, easy peasy to change it. Your provider can change it for you on the, on the same phone call you're on. Just make sure they forward the old number to your new number so that if anybody does call it back, you don't lose those calls. And after two or three days, you're using the new phone number and you're good to go. Excellent. Thank you. Okay. All right. Another one. I have another. Go ahead. Sure. I've been away from the system for a while. Well, what is the best call to action voicemail that can be left? Call a couple of times, they're not answering the phone. You know, trying to get them to take my call. or. I know the worst thing you can do is try to completely sell yourself in a voicemail. And Bruce, I know you have a better option. What would you recommend? Well, I don't know that it's better, but I would say recognizing why they're not answering your calls is important. Oftentimes, they're busy. They don't call people back that they don't know. They're worried about being sold. So if somebody hasn't answered my call in the first month, I just assume that they're probably going to be one of the 80% of of the population that, that probably won't call me back until my marketing has had a chance to own their mind share. So I'm not generally leaving them a high call to action voice as I get a month or two into the process. Normally, I'm giving them enough detail. It's the same type of detail that I'm leaving in my letters. So I might call and say, hey, this is Bruce Hill again. I was just giving you a really quick call. I know you probably don't need anything right now, but just in case you do, we help with anything from real estate to handling an estate sale and everything in between. If you happen to uh, run into any needs while you're going through the probate process or settling your estate, please give us a call back. Okay, that it's not a, a heavy call to action voicemail, and I do believe in call to action voicemails, but I know that person who has proven to me on my last three or four or five calls that they're not going to call me back. They just need a a better brand impression of what I do. And the only way to really give them that is to tell them the same thing in the voicemail that my letters are telling them. And then after a few months, you're going to start to get that person answers. And oftentimes it's around month four for me. They'll answer and they'll say, hey, Bruce, I've been meaning to call you back. I've been so busy. I know you left me voice messages and letters. I've been meaning to call you. And that's just a really great place to start your phone call on when they answer and they say, I've been meaning to call you. And it's your very first conversation. And the only way to really get there is to leave them at least one message a month and drop at least one letter on them every month. And then before long, you'll hit that seven, eight, nine, that whatever that magic number of touches is, you'll hit it and they'll know who you are and they'll value your service. Excellent. Thank you very much. All right. Perfect. We have three in the queue. Next up is phone number ending in 6172. You're up next. Hi. How you doing, guys? Hey, great. How about you? I'm doing okay. Uh, so I'm a pretty rookie here. Just signed up for, uh, for the leads. And just I work for a contractor slash investor out here in uh, Denver and Colorado Springs. And uh, we had just noticed uh, a lot of the houses that we were buying up on the MLS. So it's always to the estate of. So it seems like a lot of those houses are coming from people that have passed away. And that's why we started pursuing the probate. And myself, I'm like the one uh, running the whole job. And I'm just a little confused, not confused necessarily, but I, I, I did want a little bit of advice about just how to get started. I just actually started paying for the mailers. I just bought those today. But any tips or tricks that you would say for 
somebody like myself that's going to be pretty much doing this probably by myself. I'll be making the calls and that kind of situation. A lot of it's going to depend on uh, what point in the probate process they are in your county. We talk about this a lot, so if you go back and listen to some of the other podcasts and YouTube videos that we've put out, you'll hear specifically with Colorado what we're referring to, but but sometimes in Colorado, they're a little bit later in the process. So with those, you probably want to be a little bit faster and more to the point on your phone call. So you get somebody on the phone and where I'll teach you to summarize what you do really quickly early in the conversation. If you were not in Colorado, I'd teach you to say, I'm calling because I have a a team that works with families going through probate. In Colorado, I might say, I'm calling because I work with families who've inherited real estate that they need to sell. So I I might go a little bit more direct and to the point because you don't have as long of a runway as um, some other states have. So get to the point. Immediately let them know that you're not there to sell them anything. You just want to have a really brief conversation, find out if there's anything that you can do for them. That'll typically buy you the right to at least explain what you do and ask a good follow-up question. But I'd go into that as quickly as possible. And of course, letters are going to be really powerful. You might even consider uh, shortening your letter sequence Whereas instead of doing a monthly letter in Colorado, you might do bi-weekly. So think about that. But ultimately, you want to evaluate it and do it based on how far into the probate process they are. If they're almost through it or if they are through it, you need to go pretty hard and heavy on calls and letters. And you guys, am I correct to assume that you are strictly investors? Do you also list houses? Do you do anything else? Yeah, we also, we work with an agent. He he also would list houses for us if, if, if it came to that situation. The uh, other thing that I'm going to tell you is have a really powerful USP. And by USP, oftentimes, I don't want to confuse anyone here because oftentimes we refer to the USP as your elevator pitch, that 30 to 60 second explanation of what you do. What I'm referring to with your USP in this case is a really powerful, big, bold claim. So maybe it's something like, hey, we've got a system that allows us to sell houses for uh, more than anyone else sells them for. Okay, that's just an example. It probably doesn't fit your your specific offer that well, but that's an example of one. I have a system that allows me to sell houses for more than anyone else. Would it be okay if I shared with you how I can do that? So you think about what kind of a big, bold claim you could offer. It might be, I have a system that actually takes uh, up to 20 hours of, of work off of your probate plate, something like that. Okay, and then just follow it up with a simple, would it be okay if I shared with you how I do that? So mix that in because you're going to want to try to set appointments faster. Whereas in my market, I know that I've got about a six-month runway for the average person. And if you only have a three-month runway for the average person, then it means you want to be in their house a little bit faster than I want to be in their house. That makes sense. That makes sense? Yep. 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 Uh, Thank you. Yeah. The only thing I was going to add to that, Adam, is your name's Adam, correct? Yes. Okay, I was going by your phone ID. I wanted to make sure. You obviously have more of an interest in buying it than listing it, but try not to portray that in your conversation. Be equally willing to wear either hat because you, you will get buy deals by referring them to a realtor who will list them and a couple months later, urgency pops up and it turns into a to a flip. But if they don't have that urgency and you come too much from the investor side, you're going to scare them away. So don't try to be, try not to be attached to which outcome. Try to give them the option to let them choose. In the long run, it's better for them, and it'll be better for you too. I, that's just one thing we see with investors. They lean a little bit too hard on, I can buy your house, give you a fair price, and close quick, and that may or may not be what they want. So before you hit them with that, ask them some good questions and find out, is there what's more important to them, time or money? And and maybe neither is important, but if they don't have some urgency, it's probably going to be a list deal rather than a realtor deal. And the ones that do have urgency, are, there's no way they're going to list with the realtor. And again, if you once you get into the real estate conversation, you'll see that pretty quickly. But just don't start with wearing either hat. Start with Adam, who can help them regardless of what their needs are. Make sense? Awesome. Yes, yes. Thank you. All right. Perfect. We have two in the queue, and they're both return. I think they're people that we've already spoke to today, so they must have something brilliant to add to the previous conversation. Next up is Douglas is back, 5757. Yes, hello again. 
I wanted to hey, share something with the pillow. I wanted to share something yeah. with the people that were having problems with the caller ID. If you want sure. to add another line on your, your existing line, on my uh, cell phone, I, I use a service called Sideline, and for nine ninety nine a month, you can have another line on your phone. And you broke great. up a little bit. Do you want to do you want to mention that service again or spell it? You you broke up just a little bit. Yes, it's called Sideline. Five line, like the F I V E L I N E. I V E. Right, five line. Size line. Side line on a football field. I got it. Okay. You pretty much choose your phone number. Nice. They'll give you lots of choices. And so that's what I do when I'm dialing, and it's very friendly. And uh, you can leave messages. So my other question, so I just wanted to share that's number one. And do you have any strategies for finding the top five attorneys in probate? So I'm going to give you a reason to go find the top five, give you a strategy or two, and then I'm going to give you a reason not to go find the top five. So this is in no way disagreeing (laughs) with Jim on finding the top five, because I totally agree. I pursue them as well. I have my list of up-and-comers and my list of established attorneys. The up-and-comers are almost guaranteed to answer their own cell phone. They're usually not busy, and I want to help them and their business get more probate business. They don't have gatekeepers. They normally aren't doing a ton of deals, but they might one day do a lot of deals. And if you're the person that helps them get there and builds that relationship first, um, you're going to get all their business instead of a one here and one there from a busy attorney. Okay, so that's the reason maybe you want to add some of the up-and-comers or attorneys that might not be doing a ton of that estate and probate business yet. As far as the, the top five attorneys, number one, you're going to want to ask your current relationship, specifically financial advisors, which, which top estate planning and probate attorneys they know. Number two is look at your probate list through all the leads. And I If I'm not mistaken, you might not be getting leads from us, but if you do get leads from us, we give you the attorneys, and you'll see on each list, you'll see the top attorneys. It's pretty easy because you'll get a list, and it might be one attorney, and you only see their name once, and then all of a sudden you'll run into another attorney, and you see their name 10 times on the same list. That's an example of the attorney that is already doing a ton of that business. But but they're also a little bit harder to get in front of, so I encourage you to sometimes go also mix in a strategy to get some of the smaller attorneys that might actually answer their own cell phone and have time to meet with you. Okay, beautiful. Excellent answer I get every time. Do you, do you uh, support pre-recorded voicemails? We so pre-recorded voicemails. If you are dropping a ringless voicemail, we used to. I used to do that in my market. I don't drop ringless voicemails anymore. But if I'm dialing through a dialer, it does help you get through it faster. If you have a pre-recorded message and the second they don't answer and it goes to voicemail, you just drop the message. It helps you get through numbers faster and a lot more dials. It's definitely less personalized, and so you've got the benefit of getting through your numbers faster and the curse of it not being personal at all and it might lose a person or two that maybe would have called you back. So just weigh it out in your own market, pro and con. I was just going to add to that. If you're going to drop that message, don't sound like a radio disc jockey. Don't make it sound terribly polished. Stammer a little bit. Make, Make it sound like you're actually live leaving a voicemail. I'm pretty good at that. Very few people, if I leave them a voicemail, knows that it it wasn't live. You know what I mean? Just don't make it sound too polished. Make it sound, hey, you just called and left a spur-of-the-minute message and play with it. See what sounds good. Most of the auto dialers will allow you to do that. And if you manually drop it when you don't get someone, you're probably going to be in compliance with, with all the issues out there. We don't want to give you a legal opinion, but it's it's safer than leaving just one pre-recorded and blasting it out. It's a safer way to do it. Okay. And also, I'm pretty experienced when it comes to cold calling, and I heard you guys. You are superb. The reason I'm on this call is because I, I trust your expertise. So Thank you. I'm glad you asked. He would like coaching, Bruce. Well, um, oh, okay, perfect. He broke out a little bit on my end. So um, if you want some coaching, send me an email at bruce at alltheleads.com, and we can we can send you over some of those coaching options. Okay? Perfect. And to end today, our last caller is our actually our winner of the week is returning. Christian, you had the best success story of the week, so congratulations, and we'll let you finish the call. Christian, you're back. Congratulations on being winner of the week. Yeah, What's so up? I had a few more questions, actually, totally different from sure. earlier. Sure. My question is, have you guys come across any buildings 
um, in your area where tenants are not cooperative, PRs want to sell the building, and what's the best way to approach it? That's question number one. Question number two, um, I'm starting to find out with the mailers that some of the addresses on the mailers have apartments when I look it up, and I see that the mailers that we send out doesn't have the apartment number. Is there an update that is coming up in the near future that will address that particular issue, or what will be the best way to approach that? And then last question would be, what's the best way to set up an appointment to me at the property when the objection that the attorney is handling everything? Just curious more than anything on that part. But let me take the mail question first. What are you, You're saying that the address shows an apartment in it and it's not being addressed to that apartment? That is correct. So when I do a little bit of digging on, my, on the back end of the system that I use, there is an apartment number, but because the mail company, you know, USPS, doesn't know what apartment it is, it comes back as a, unable to deliver. But I, I guess I'm asking the question, are you saying we're doing the mailing for you or you're doing it? Correct. No, you guys are. Okay. We put the address out of directly out of the database. If you're finding anything that goes out that doesn't match the data that's in the lead that you give us or that we give you, please let us know and let us take a look at that because it, it will always put exactly the data that's uh, included in that. The only thing it could be is that in occasionally there's an unusual character or something in that address that could conceivably cause it to skip, but we post the exact address. So please let us know. Send an email to support with an example. Let it take a look at it. Yeah, and then what I've done, too, on, on my end, just to uh, make sure that it, when the next mother goes out, I'll add the apartment number on there just so it doesn't bounce back. Well, wait a minute. Are you saying it, it was there before or it wasn't there before? Oh, it was never there before. That's what I'm saying. So a lot of the mailers that do have apartment numbers or let's say, for instance, the condo building, and we don't know what the unit number is, it only has the address. So I guess the mail service company, they don't know what not unit number is for that PR, so we'll just send it back. And then when I get that letter back, I'll look into it on the back end, and then apartment number is missing or the unit number, and I'll just add it in there so it doesn't come back to following mailers. Okay, let's back up again because I want to make sure we're, we're on the same page because I really definitely want to help you. So you you get your leads from us, correct? Correct. Okay. And that someone in your lead that you got from us, their address is 123 Elm Street, Apartment 12, for argument's sake. They don't come with the apartment numbers. That's, I guess I should address that. They don't come with the apartment numbers. And um, when oh, I do a little okay. bit of digging, so, that's when I find out that there is an apartment number. And that's the reason it bounced back, because they don't know where, where in that big building who it belongs to. Now I got you. So here's the problem. So there's not anything we, we particularly can do about that. And the reason why is that the address that we're giving you comes back off of the docket. This is for the personal representative, right? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, we always output exactly what it says in the information that's on the docket coming from the courts. So we would only know what's in there based on that. And the only thing that we do is we make sure that we run it through a postal service and, and a deliverability database to make sure that it is, in fact, deliverable. And it would be deliverable. It'll hit someone's clearing desk in that building if it's an apartment now, unfortunately, we don't know if they live in 112, apartment 112 or apartment 5, but it's very mm -hmm. rare that happens. Typically, if there is an apartment, it shows in the address that we get, and it'll show it in the docket. I've seen it countless times. It's worth looking into. Yeah, if it's yeah, happening a lot, Chicago, let us know. Yeah, yeah, because in Chicago well, downtown, there's a lot of condos, and the, the area that I'm trying to target is downtown Chicago. So there's a lot of them that don't have unit numbers, and then a lot of these letters are coming back to me. It's just it's unfortunate because I'm spending all this money, and it's oh, if I would have known this from the beginning, I would have addressed it. Yeah, I tell rather than uh, shooting in the dark here. How about you send us an email and you know tell us how many that you're finding of that and all that because we've been doing this for a long time, and we whenever we get something I've not heard before, I want to learn more about it, and literally. You're the first person that's brought this up. Let us know what you're finding and how many you're talking about. Drop us an email oh, yeah. and we'll deal with it. Okay.
Perfect. Perfect. And then, Bruce, do you remember his first and third questions? And then we'll... Uh, third question. Christian, I'm going to ask answer it really fast, and then you're going to need to repeat your first question because I don't remember it. But the uh, third question no, okay. is, how do you still go about um, setting an appointment when someone says that their attorney is handling everything? We need to remember the fundamentals of objection handling or dealing with an objection, and the first fundamental is to validate. So I want you to have a really good answer, a good way to validate their objection when they say that, that they've got an attorney that's handling everything. And it could be as simple as, uh, hey, that's great. I imagine you're probably not looking for any help right now. You haven't run into anything that they don't handle yet, have you? Make them feel like you're really on their side and understanding and validating what they say. And then have a uh, really good follow-up question or, or statement. statement would be, just in case it changes, could I give you my name and number? And they say yes. They're always going to say yes because you're letting them off the hook. And then have a pivot, move over into a different piece of the conversation. So validate, offer to um, stay in touch, give, give, offer to give your name and number, and then pivot over into maybe a real estate question or a question about something totally different from what the attorney is dealing with. Okay. What was your What was the first question? What's the best way to approach a building when a PR is looking to sell? Sell you know a building, but the ah. tenants are not cooperative, yep. and they don't want to. That's right. Do you either you either help deal with an objection, uh, not objection, a, an eviction. So maybe have the municipality's eviction paperwork ready to to and walk the PR or the family through the eviction process, or find a way or make a recommendation to do cash for keys. Cash for keys always incentivizes a tenant. They might not always take the incentive, but, but it always incentivizes them. And if you're going to offer cash in exchange for their move out and them giving you the keys, start high for a really short amount of time and then walk it backwards. So every week that goes by, you might say, hey, um, $500 off the table, $1,000 off the table, something like that. That's normally the best way to get tenants out. Obviously, if you're dealing with a PR or a family that doesn't have cash like that, maybe go and get the learn the eviction process, get the paperwork, and hand them the paperwork and tell them exactly how to get the tenant out through eviction. Okay. Yeah, that's on hold for now in Chicago, unfortunately. So, yeah, yep. then that works. Yeah, if, he, if eviction's on hold, then you might need a larger bribe or incentive. Yeah. Not, not incentive, but bribe, but it might be worth it. It really might be worth it if you can give the tenant enough to comfortably relocate. But it's hard if they're living there for free and it's on hold. It really yeah. is. I, I would still get the property listed or under contract and you can just put you can just put a protracted closing date or a protracted listing date if it's going to take a while till you have access to the property. But if if they're willing to do it and you're buying it, get a, a contract executed that says 30 days after inspections when the tenant moves. And if you're listing it, get something signed and just make it a long-term listing. But lock it up if you can and continue to provide service to them on a on an ongoing basis, just keep in touch. Yeah, I have a few of them, and it's just the tenants are non-cooperative, and I told them there's many ways we can either offer them cash for keys, we can sell it sure. to an investor that's willing to handle it, and the third, put it on the MLS and see what kind of luck we got. You know, yep. no access to the units and see if somebody's willing to buy. Yep. All right. Well, I appreciate it. I want to, that concludes another great call, guys. I want to uh, thank all of you for being here. Congratulate Christian for being our winner of the week. I want to also thank everybody who actively participated, and I want to challenge each of you. Heard some great ideas on today's call. Take one thing that you heard today that inspired you, go out and put it into practice, and please come back next Thursday and share your results with the group. Have a great week, everybody. We'll talk to you the same time next Thursday. Take care.